This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Rutgers Rant. Politi here, Lanny Fonseca is always joining us. It's a push and pee pod, fellas. Lots of good news. Good week for the Scarlet Knights. Beat Seton Hall, a first win over the Pirates on their home court since Big East days, which kind of stunned me. More good portal news for the football team. Everyone's staying. We're getting the band back together to quote another movie that I'm sure you haven't seen, Fonseca. Wrestling goes WWE. I'm blowing this out of proportion, but Pat told me what we're going to talk about in the wrestling segment, and I'm now just so excited that I I want to talk about it first. But we're going to save it for the end, as we traditionally do. I think we should start with the hoops game, Brian. I mean, look, if you were looking at this season, you knew if this was going to be anything but just a march to the end, they were going to have to beat Seton Hall. They arguably had their best performance of the season in doing so. A really nice win having fun out there, holding up the trophy, Moat Mag's back. I don't know. I'm pushing P about this team. Tell me tell me if I'm right. One, I do not know what reference you just made, so sorry to disappoint. Or I guess... Right. Oh, about we're the- getting band back together? I yes. know, but the, my, my viewers can, can tell me what that is. Pat, do you know what getting the band back together is? What movie? Uh, uh, Eddie and the Cruisers? Dan Aykroyd? Uh, Ron no. Belushi? Oh, Blues Brothers. There you go. All right. Thank you. We're getting the band back together. There you go. All right. You're giving me 10 tries. I wouldn't have gotten it. Classic fail, the impromptu Boomer Zoomer segment. Uh, By the way, I did. I can't remember if it was at the Prudential Center when I was talking to fans or somebody somewhere. uh, They were like, oh, I love the podcast. I love when you guys do the the whole, you know, the old actors and stuff and you have no idea what you're talking about. I was like, thanks, man. I I appreciate the. I, appreciate I love that segment, especially that segment when you look like a complete double a-hole. That's my favorite segment. I like that. It's good. I'm I had to ask we... him, which one? Which one do I look like a complete a-hole in is your favorite? <laughs> anyway. That's nice. So uh, I will push P first before I go on the flip side of this occasion. Great win that Rutgers had to have. They had to have that win or else their season was essentially, it was over. They got the win. 
great moment for Rutgers to finally beat Seton Hall at the Prudential Center in a long time. Great scene lifting the trophy. They're walking off the, the court to the locker room. Fans are chanting, we like Pike. There's a really good feeling among the Rutgers fans. Moat Mag looked great. He looked like he does not miss a beat. He's sprinting down the court. He's Euro-stepping in the lane, finishing layups. He's grabbing rebounds. He's defending his socks off against Kadari Richmond, playing excellent basketball. I mean, Moat Mag was, to me, the biggest takeaway from that game. He looked awesome. And he played 23 minutes, 24 minutes. That's a lot for your first game back from an ACL. Uh, they shot 50% on threes. Rutgers basketball is hitting 50% of 24 threes. Who would have ever thought that? That's incredible. They haven't done that since <laughs> last year when they hit 61% against Northwestern and Cam Spencer, the traitor, uh, hit the game winner in Evanston. I'm, I'm worried about the butt here, Pat. Are I'm you worried, worried about the butt where this is going? <laughs> He's still going. I don't want to trouble. Keep going, even, please. I'm on Sorry. the positive train. You can't even okay, let me all right. finish. I'm just, I just, I'm just worried about the butt. That's all I'm going to say. I'm You're just dying. Okay. Keep the train going. Die for me to go negative. Uh, Cliff Amore looked awesome. He might be the best rim protector, not named Zach Eady, in the Big Ten. Awesome. Seven blocks, maybe even more. He had eight blocks the other day. He has the fourth highest block rate in the country, third most blocks in the country, and his offense looked better. He hit a, a nice little floater. He got a nice dunk. He looked aggressive. Best game of the season thus far. That's what you need out of Cliff Omori to have a successful season, and it's good to see him bounce back. But... There it is. Oh, still, I knew it was coming. It still cut right through the cut right through it. Ah, man. Okay. But R- Rutgers shot 12 of 24 on threes. They hit 12 okay. threes, 50%. Seton Hall That's went good. three of 20. Not good. Three of 20 on threes. Mm-hmm. Rutgers won by seven. Rutgers won this yeah, game. Yeah, but, but they're up by 15. Wait, I mean, wait, wait, wait. Rutgers gave up. I know we ignore this issue now that they won. Rutgers gave up 18 offensive rebounds. Yeah, on 39 that's misses. That's 46 percent of Seton Hall's misses. That issue is still there. Seton Hall scored mm-hmm. 19 second chance points, but you know you kind of shield your eyes because they won. Rutgers went five of 19 on layups. That issue is still there. It's still glaringly there. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing that I have to say that it does take some air out of this. Seton Hall sucks. They stink out loud. They are maybe one of the worst teams they'll play all year. They have one good offensive player. They have their their two guard is maybe the worst shooter I've ever seen. He took 15 threes. He went three of 15. How do you let a guy shoot 15 threes? Because no one else is better. It's insane. Anyway, my point is like, I know we felt like this stretch would be a proving ground for Rutgers. They're playing good competition. How will they stack up? I think Seton Hall is a peg below Wake Forest in Illinois and Princeton. I know Princeton lost for the first time Sunday, but I think those three teams are a peg or two above Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. Get a better view against Mississippi State. If Rutgers can parlay this into a win over Mississippi State, I will start believing in the season turning around. But but I'm not ready to say that we're going to go to March Madness just yet. Pat, do you want to bring it back to the push and pee, or do you agree with do you agree with him here? I just can't get over the fact that that butt was just over the top. I mean. They won at Seton Hall for the first time since they were in the Big East. They played great. They were, the hard pivot was too much for me. Like, it was too I, much. I, it it was agree. a little bit too much. And I think a week or two ago, you were you were singing dandies about Seton Hall uh, and how they're such a good offensive team. So you, did, I, and I you know what you did say? You said this to Richard Kent. As Richard Kent is my witness. I love just dropping Richard Kent's name here in the podcast, right? I mean, people are like, ooh. Politi knows Richard Kent. Oh, oh. As Richard Kent is my witness, you told him before the game, you said to Richard Kent, you said to 
Cedric Kent. I will bet you six months of rent that Seton Hall is going to win that game. You were so confident Seton oh, Hall is going to win that game. You were confident. Now you're flipping. You're flipping Look the script. Backtracker. Look at this. Flipping the script. Going to get oh Richard Kent on the podcast to verify that statement. Unbelievable. We, we do need to get Richard on the podcast. Way to blow up my spot in our private conversation in the sake of the sanctity <laughs> of the press room. I will never believe anything is off the record ever again with you. Our bridge is burned, Steve. And as I told Richard Kent when Rutgers was up big, I live in a rent-controlled apartment. I pay 10 bucks a month. I only owe him $60, okay? So let's get that clear. He's a lawyer. He's going to collect that. He's going to collect that money, man. I, I, yeah. I believe it. I believe it. I'm And look, yes, I was a little maybe overconfident in Seton Hall. And I'm again, I pushed P for five minutes. I can only push so much. You did push P for five minutes. I think and you're right. Win. It's a great You win. make some good points. The significance of the win kind of overcome uh, trumps, trumps the offensive rebounding. And right, like, I just feel like it was such a significant win. And their season was on the rails. And to, to get to steady the ship is more important than offensive rebounding to me. So I, I appreciate you pushing the P, Fonseca. I'm just going to let it uh, – I'll just leave it there. I, and it's funny. I do agree, I basically agree with everything you say about, about the limitations here. The one thing I think – the broader point about Milwaukee Mag that's important, the team fell apart. It hadn't looked like a good team since he was playing. They were 3-8 and eight without him. They looked they – looked, you know, we saw them. They didn't look good this year. They're 5-3 and three to start the season. He gets back. And they look, they look like a team again. I guess, I guess we can't. Maybe the the you know what I don't know what the hell the the expression, but may, maybe the easiest explanation is the right one here that they were a different team without him. He's back now. That he is important in multiple ways to elevate this team. And the fact he could do it in the first game, they got the win. Again, twenty four minutes. I don't know. They need to get another good LIU is another tune up. Now you play Mississippi State. They're twenty seven in the in the net. I saw twenty five in the net. Uh, that would be a really good win. You're right. Yeah. Let's see what this team could do in that game. If they win again in the Rock, then you're exactly they're exactly where you would hope this team would have been. You would have you would have taken nine and two in the non conference without any questions asked. Sign up for that in blood in the non in the preseason. Absolutely agree. By the way, Occam's Razor is the. the no, thank you. There you go. Appreciate it. Thank yes. you. About time I I tell you something <laughs> that you don't know. You're the jackass this time. How about that? <laughs> uh, but yes, I agree. I think if you're nine and two entering the Big Ten, you're feeling pretty good. I think the one difference between now and the preseason is that the Big Ten is a lot weaker than we thought. Michigan State, who everyone and including myself thought would challenge Purdue for the Big Ten title, is four and five. They just lost to Nebraska. Wow! Shout out the Cornhuskers. Fred Hoiberg. It took him about two centuries, but he finally has that program in the right direction. Uh, Michigan is in a bunch of turmoil. Jawan Howard apparently yelling at his assistants in practice, despite the fact he just had open heart surgery. Literally everyone but Purdue is not good. That means that the list of quality wins is not as high as it usually is. And I'm not sure Rutgers can have another February where they beat four straight ranked teams and emerge from the dead the way they did two years ago. But again, if you enter the t Big Ten 9-2, you give yourself a chance. And Rutgers is one win away from doing that. So Yeah, I guess, I guess I'm just changing... I thought that they looked like against Wake Forest, they look like they're going to be a 500 team. You know, now at least there's hope. I saw something there. So flashes there where, all right, this team could at least be in the conversation in February and March. Uh, we haven't talked about Jermichael Davis yet, Pat. I mean, this is, you know, a great, uh, just a smart move by Steve Peichel to insert him in the starting lineup. I thought he, he provided the spark, especially after 
the way this team went down so early against Wake Forest. You know, here's here's a guy with some speed, some energy, some you know, just again an unpolished player. But and I can't get over this. I'm still looking at this team in the context of who are the what are the pieces going to fit around Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey. And here's here's a big one, right? I mean, there's still you're still this is still the season before the season. I just think it can be better than we probably thought last week. Sure, and you absolutely hit the nail on the head right there when you're talking about avoiding the slow starts that have plagued this team. The wire-to-wire win against Seton Hall was very impressive. The way they came out, they needed that spark from Jermichael Davis. It was great. Uh, So, yeah, 100% agree on all that. And you're right. When you look at at next year, there's still a lot of things to figure out, of course, and everyone's going to be excited about it. But you can see flashes and put that imagination to work. And I guess buy your final four ticket as one second reported the other day, because it's on. I'm going to be using this expression a lot. As God and Richard Kent are my witnesses. I'm going to be using that one a lot. All right. Can we want to talk football? You got more basketball thoughts here? He looks like you're going to say something, Brian. Go ahead. Really quick. Yes. Jermichael Davis, impressive. Good sign. He'll be a role player next year with his best buddy, Ace Bailey. Gavin Griffiths knocking down three threes. Yes. Really good sign. That was one of his better games. That is a guy that, if he could play that role next year as the third scoring option, that's a really, really dangerous guy to have. But that could shoot well from three, that can attack the rim, could score mid range. If that guy could continue to make this improvement, watch out. And at Pat's point, I did walk around the Prudential Center before the game, talked to about a handful of Rutgers fans, wrote that story this morning. You guys can read it. But uh, one guy told me he already booked his final four uh, plane ticket and uh, his tickets. And he's excited for that. He didn't really even care about the result of the game. Uh, who cares if we lose today? He said, we're going to the Final Four next year. And uh, really? one kid one kid told me he, ch- he saw Dylan Harper committed. He was looking at his phone while driving, which I told him not to do. And he thinks he blew a red light as he did it. And he's driving home. He lives in Tom's River. He lives across the street from a Seton Hall fan. And he's lowering his window and he's pointing out his finger and saying, number one, number one, even though they got nice. the number three class. Uh, so people are very excited. Uh, people are, you know, I think uh, fine with the way the season was going until yes, uh, Saturday, uh, because the and I, I tried to use this expression on a radio interview I did Friday and I couldn't get it. I'm pretty sure it's that there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yes, that's the correct. Light at the yeah. end of the tunnel. Okay, both cliches. You've nailed both of them. Well, it's what it's bad enough to use a cliche. It's worse to not know what the cliche is because then you look like a bumbling idiot two ways. Good job. All right. More push and pee. Let's push some football pee here. Put it this to you. Put it this way to you. If you were to list the ten players who I thought Rutgers needed to have back, uh, I think they've pretty much got nine of them at this point, or eight of them. Aaron Lewis, Wesley Bailey, Tyreen Powell, Holland Pierce, Kristen Dremel, Brian Felter, and now Mo Ture. I mean, uh, that's a huge. That's a huge news. We're in the press room at the Prudential Center. Brian looks like he's just hasn't slept already after the Dylan Harper into this game. He looks like he's working on like three hours of sleep in the last in the last six days. And then Mo Ture pops it up on on Twitter that he's staying. Just another good, uh, another good, just another good move. I mean, look, say what you want. The Rutgers is keeping the band keeping the band together. This is this is going to be this is a good development for this team. And then one of the, and I guess the. Ninth player, assuming Max Melton would be the other one who's he's left. The ninth player, common on guy, all indications are he is ramped up and ready for the bowl game. I don't see him heading off to the NFL anytime soon. I don't know, Pat. It it seems like every everything is breaking the Scarlet Knights way in the portal. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, to have these veteran guys back means a lot. And I, I think when you look at or you hear that everything that Greg Shiano is saying all season long about this is a developmental program and we're we're here to get guys and fill the pipeline so that at the end of their career, they're they're coming out as 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 grown grown men. I think that's what you're going to see from, you know, a guy like Holland Pierce that, you know, his story it came a guy that was a walk on 400 plus pounds and look where he is. He's going to have a, a, a pro career at the end of this. Christian Dremel, another walk on like these these guys are the epitome of developmental players that are veterans. They've already produced. And with an extra year, they're going to be legitimate factors on the football field. So it, it's a great development. And and like you said, just waiting on Monungai is really the last big decision out there. We'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. But like you said, it seems like he's full go for the bowl game. Are there a couple other guys in the secondary, too, that we might? Yeah, I, I mean, about? the safeties flip Dixon. Uh, mm -hmm. you assume he's coming back. Desmond Igmanosin should be back. I mean, he's uh, definitely still got some some years. And then uh, who's the last one? I'm forgetting. Longerbeam, right? who we got? Longerbeam um, will be back. Jaquan Loyal? Jaquan Loyal, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, that he could definitely use more time. So, yeah, I mean, you could you could go down the checklist and basically every starter, except for Deion Jennings and maybe the defensive, Mayan Anahatu and Isaiah Ait and the defensive tackles are, are basically, and Max Melton are basically back. So it's, uh, I guess if you did the math on that, it would be like 80% of the defensive starters are back. Is the pipeline going to have a, a log jam, log jam in the pipeline? Yeah. Right. I mean, at a certain point, there's going to be some, there's going to be talent behind them that these guys want to play. You know, it's interesting. It's, it's a different, completely different problem entirely. Right. I mean, that, that could be something that you got to start worrying about the other side of the people, the players falling out the wrong side of the pipeline. No, I would think, I would think that if there are players that are on that pipeline that are close to being ready to play, they can push these guys uh, and compete for playing time. I'm not sure, quite sure they're there yet. Uh, I do want to say like, Flip Dixon hasn't announced. I think he's the only real flight risk, right? Like, I think there is a still a slight possibility he goes to the league. I do think he has to make a decision. I think Robert Longerbeam is pretty clearly coming back. I'm not sure he's NFL ready. Uh, and then I, I agree totally with the rest of the defense. Like, these guys took a step. Their first year with Harris Simiak, they took a step. Their second year with Harris Simiak, it sounds like Harris Simiak is coming back. There was the idea that he was a candidate for the James Madison job, might have been the runner-up to Chesney, the Holy Cross head coach who eventually got the job. That's probably going to be the only overture he's going to get. You know, USC's probably filled their DC job. Penn State is probably not going to hire him. Minnesota, what if what if PJ Fleck pulls a reverse Rutgers and gets revenge for Kirk Shiraka and says, come back here, buddy, Harris Simiak, <laughs> reverse to Minnesota. Only, uh, only joking, only half joking. But if assuming he comes back, assuming he has this core of guys back, like that's going to be the pillar of this program once again. And I think that gives you a really high floor in, in a season that we've circled as the breakout year with a favorable schedule. This is a really good start. Now it's about the offensive side of the ball, getting Manungai back. It looks like he's practicing. I saw a video on Instagram live of him dancing in the locker room over the weekend. So he's clearly still around his teammates, which is a good sign. Now it's about the other side of the portal. You're retaining players. You got to start getting some, you got to get a wide receiver or two tight end, some offensive guards. Um, now, in the next quarterback. <clears throat> Sorry, I got uh, something in my throat. I don't want to no. talk about this again for the th th thousandth time in a row. Uh, let, let, let sleeping dogs lie. Uh, but I think my point being that at some point soon, you'd like to see some 
uh, churn in the other direction, have some guys start coming in. They offered a wide receiver for Monmouth, uh, the best wide receiver in Monmouth history, one of the best wide receivers in FCS. He'd be a nice start, um, but still 30 days or so in the portal being open, a lot of time to go. I just think people are starting to get antsy and they'd like to see some action. What's the holdup? What do we think, Pat? What is is it is as simple as that? There's still a lot of time left. There's in fact there's so many players left. We haven't, and to be clear, we haven't seen, I mean, some of the top level quarterbacks have have, have committed, but we haven't seen a lot of uh commitments, period, right? I mean, it seems like across the board, guys are waiting. I think Rutgers is still in a holding pattern too, with all these decisions that are being made. And I, I think A, they want to wait to see what happens on their own in their own locker room before they go out and, and start. I'm sure, and I know they're doing their due diligence and going out and recruiting in the in the portal. There's no question about it. But I, I think a big part of it is they had to wait on their own end a little bit. They're preparing for the bowl game. It's just a, a crazy time, like uh, as Shiano has said a couple times. So, um, plus they're you know signing day is high school signing day is coming up in in a week or two. So it's just uh, there's so much to do, I, I, and I think it, everything's playing out as it should. And think about how many guys Rutgers got late in the portal last season. You know, it wasn't right out the gate. So I, I think uh, it just takes some time and everything's kind of playing out as it, as it should. So I wouldn't be too concerned there. All right, let's do true false. We only have a few of them, but uh, we'll go through it quickly here. True or false. Cliff Omori's early season struggles were overblown. We talked about it a lot in the show. Brian, what do you think? Were we, over, were we overly critical? True or false? I'll go false. Though I will say uh, good signs from what I saw him on Saturday. Pat, true or false? Yeah, I agree. I think it was false. I think uh, he was struggling. It's simple to point out. Yeah, uh, I agree false as well. I, I just felt like this was the first time he looked like he was having a good time out there. That was the biggest thing that struck me. Was he looked like he was punching a, you know, punching a clock to go to work, and finally he, you know, Wagging his, wagging his tongue, smiling, posing for the camera, doing the matumbo. He looked like he was he was ready. He was engaged. Great development. Still can't hit a three-foot shot, but we'll just have to accept that as who he is, I guess, at this point. All right. True or false? The de- football team's defense will be better next year. Already one of the better ones in the conference. Can it be better, Brian? True or false? I'll say true. Pat? I know they're not playing Ohio State and Michigan, but uh, they played some inept offenses. I think from 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 that perspective alone, uh, it'll it can't be as good as this year. I I, I so I'm going to say uh, false there. Uh, I'm going to say true, but I think in the portal, a sneaky position they need is a pass rusher and it, someone on the D line to get to the quarterback. Then that's I I'm guessing second hardest to get to uh, the quarterback itself. So uh, we'll see about that. True or false, we will have 20,000 Rutgers fans at the Pinstripe Bowl. Be a sea of red at Yankee Stadium. Are people going to go to this game? Brian, true or false? I'll put a little optimism out there. I'll say true. I'll say 25 to 27. Okay. Pat? I think there's going to be 20,000 at the Billy's Sports Bar tailgate. uh, Really? Act up, yeah. That's that's what I've heard. Uh, seems like uh, quite the event. So let's keep the P rolling and say true. I'm gonna say false. I've seen very limited enthusiasm about this game. Could be wrong, but we shall see. True or false? The NIL problem has been overrated. Woo. 
keeping their players, getting star recruits. Recruit basketball, Brian, true or false? False. Pat? Jury's out because no one really even knows what the situation is. Yeah, I know. Uh, so I can't really comment one way or the other. Uh, I'm going to say false as well, although I will say, and we've, we've talked about it a little bit, I mean, getting Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey, they ain't coming for free. So it, it does sort of prove that you can you can do this at Rutgers. So, I mean, you know, uh, granted, I guess when Kyle McCord's, Kyle McCord's trotting out of the huddle next for spray with fall, then we'll really know. But yeah, overall, it, it I would say fall. Uh, it's still a problem, but not it still hasn't been the biggest uh, disaster in the world. Uh, all right. And finally, true or false, we touched on it briefly, but football's working too slowly in the transfer portal. Brian, do you think they should have done something at this point? True or false? They could, I, I guess they're being a little selective. I, I thought their number of offers is a little low, but after hearing Pat make a lot of sense, I do think maybe there is some, there's a lot of time left. Maybe they're waiting till after the bowl games to be over. Cause I'm assuming a lot of guys enter after they play in their bowl games. So maybe there is a little more time than I had originally uh, thought of when we entered this podcast. So I'll say false. I think there's more time. They're not working as slow as I originally thought. Okay. Pat. Yep. Uh, uh, False as well. Uh, I think there's, there's plenty of time and history shows that Rutgers is a a tail end of the portal team. So Mm -hmm. I think, uh, I think false. I'm going to say false too. Again, and this is something We've got no reason not you've got no reason not to trust Greg Schiano on this. I mean, he he's keeping the players uh, he needs. The players he has added in the past, like Flip Dixon, have been really good. You know, you've, you've got to think that he's he's they seem to have it worked out to some level, at least to a level where they they can, they can get guys where they don't have to, you know, shell over the the big bucks. The helix is coming. That's right. Ground is broken. Foundations are being laid, and the plans are being realized. For those that have not yet heard, the Helix is a new innovation district in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Smack dab in the middle of the Northeast Corridor, the Helix is a place for innovators to gather and innovation to take action. It offers a range of physical environments, a vibrant innovation community, and a strategic central location in close proximity to New York, Philly, Boston, and D.C. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others are already signing up to call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is coming. Visit helixnj.com to learn more. All right. Good job on true or false. Let's dive into some uh, insider questions. We didn't have a lot. I think when things are going well, you guys don't ask as many questions. Is that possible? When the P is pushing, the Qs are down. P and Q. So this is when we, we talked about a little bit of basketball. Do you really think having Mag in the lineup means as much as it seems? The difference is amazing. Uh, the numbers speak to it. The team fell apart without him. The team wasn't good, didn't look good uh, early in the season without him. He's back. Uh, I think it's a little overblown. Um, but remember, Brian, I mean, he had this game. It, it, you know, He impacted this game without scoring, right? His shot still wasn't there. He had one layup. 
He was good defensively. He had eight rebounds. I think he just he's just a long guy. He fills some space in, in the lane, defends well, smart veteran player. Yeah, they needed him out there without question. Absolutely. He's their best defender by far. He's their most the versatile defender by far. I think he gives Steve Peichel a lot more options to work with on that end. He is sneaky good offensively, sneaky efficient. Uh, you saw the Euro step. He's sneaky athletic in transition as well. Uh, he gets rebounds. Again, very important. That was a huge issue and still is kind of an issue, but I digress. Uh, but he helps a lot in that area. I think everything, the emotional thing that you can't really quantify of seeing that guy back out on the court. I think even you asked Cliff after the game and his reaction was just so happy to see his roommate, his close friend back out on the court. I think it all adds up. And I think people around the program were aware of his hesitancy to get on the court, kind of like still nursing his way back mentally and physically. Uh, so to see him make a bit of a sacrifice for the team. And I don't know if he's back earlier than he wanted to. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, Clearly, he was a little hesitant to get back on the court. Him doing that gives a big jolt. And I think this team clearly is better when Mawat Mag is on the court. Absolutely. I don't think there's any question about that. And it also helps him rotationally. You saw finally um, that that Steve Peichel wasn't just throwing darts. I mean, he had he had a guy he, that looked like they were roles forming. He had a guy like Wolford playing nine minutes, which was more of what he should be playing. Palmquist, nine minutes. A little surprising, and this is interesting. We didn't talk about this, but Derek Simpson, fifteen minutes uh, in a in a reserve role, uh, while Jermichael Davis played uh, thirty-two. Kind of interesting, Brian. Or, or are we reading too much into one game? I was surprised to see how little he played. Did not seem like he made a big impact when he was on the court. Struggled a little bit. I do think Jermichael Davis starting and taking a bit of a bigger role in that game diminished Simpson's role. I don't think Simpson's impact is, you know, I think he has a chance of still making an impact going forward. I don't think this means he'll become the ninth or 10th guy in the rotation. I just think maybe they thought Jermichael Davis was a better fit for this game. Uh, maybe Derek Simpson's going to be more of a guy that when they need a guy to attack the basket and open up a defense, uh, he'll be more more useful. Um, I do think that he's had a bit of an up and down start to the season. I think they could see a little bit more consistency out of him. I don't think his impact on the season is done just yet. All right, uh, Jeff and Essex Fells asking about uh, uh, the Rutgers Seton Hall rivalry. How much big brighter is the future for Rutgers basketball compared to Seton Hall and the current college athletic landscape? That's a fa that's a really fascinating question because if you, Pat, I think if you were to break it down, a, a program that doesn't have football to sap your NIL um, revenue, you would think would have an advantage. You just you they only need to pay a couple of guys, right? But um, yeah, I mean, I think it is brighter for Rutgers because of that and because of the Big Ten and the general shift in what's going on here. I don't think there's any question about it. Um, and we're kind of seeing it. It's uh, kind of seeing it happen in real time. Yeah, and recruiting has always been uh, a tough, tougher for Seton Hall. Of course, they had that great class, uh, you know, with, with those guys, you know, two decades ago or whatever. But uh, I think it's just a little bit of a harder sell when there was the uncertainty of the Big East and what was going to come with the conference. And I think that hurt them, um, you know, I, until they got Shaheen Holloway. I think it was a little bit of a, a, you know, a tough sell from a coaching perspective. And now I think NIL is just, it's just tough. But you got a smaller alumni base. How many of those alums care about basketball the way that they need to care about it? And uh, it just seems like 
Yeah, they're in a tougher spot. Uh, I, I totally agree. And just just reading some of the message board comments from Seton Hall over the years, it's always seemed like this is the doomsday scenario if NIL is going to play this major factor in player recruitment and things like that. So I don't know if Seton Hall's perfectly uh, positioned, put it that way, for uh, for the future. It's funny, Brian, because I don't know what happens to in the world with Charlie Baker's proposal where, you know, we've gone to a professional model and uh, 40 or 50 or whatever the number is, schools that are going to buy into this and and spend big and pay players. Where is Seton Hall in that? It's kind of interesting. Where's I mean, you think you would think you know where UConn is in that, right? But I mean, where would where would a program like Villanova? Be? It's just a fascinating. That's not talked about. It, the football programs, Ohio State, Michigan. We know we know what they're going to do, but it's 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 a different story. I mean, in 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 the basketball only schools, it is. It's it's a fascinating thing to work out because I think when you're making these proposals, you're thinking about football first and foremost. You're not thinking about the Olympic sports at all. Uh, and kind of basketball is on the back burner. I think Seton Hall is in uniquely positioned that if basketball, for example, separates itself from the NCAA and becomes its own entity, the Big East might be the conference that's most that's best positioned to have its own league separate mm-hmm. from the NCAA. I can certainly see a, 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 a scenario where every conference has its own league. They play each other, and then the best t- teams from each league play in a tournament sanctioned by the NCAA that is still considered the NCAA tournament to some extent. Maybe you organize these non-conference battles through ESPN like that you do now. The same uh, results come from different circumstances and different leaders, but the NCAA's hand gets off the whole situation. The leagues become separate, and then once a year in March, they all get together, play the NCAA tournament to keep the tradition alive, and that's the way it works out. But who knows? I, I There's no point in trying to figure this out because I think the people in charge have no idea how this is going to work out. So yeah, That's true. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot of a uh, podcast fodder. It's a lot of column fodder. It's a lot of ballroom fodder. Uh, that's pretty much all it is at this point. All right, uh, some football questions, guys. This is from Brian K. What is the deal with Nassim Brantley? Has he just disappeared? Was there ever a final ruling? Uh, I know I forgot all about him. Pat, do we have any information? Is he still on the football team? Yeah, I think uh, what what happened was, and this is a little bit of reporting and a little bit of speculation here. I think he was ruled ineligible and then Rutgers kept appealing and appealing. And Mm -hmm. it just, it just, they eventually ran out of appeals and said, late in the season. All right. At this point, we'll just bank the year of eligibility and try to bring him back for next year. So I think that uh, they got to a point where they saw where, where it was headed, that he was going to be ineligible the whole year. And they just said, all right, we'll save his eligibility for next year. My understanding is that he will be good to go for next for this upcoming season. So okay. he'll be a veteran guy, uh, you know, one of those 24, 25 year old, seven years of college uh, playing uh, and hopefully a much needed player. Uh, obviously Rutgers needs a receiver and he was supposed to be one of the, if not the number one guy, uh, you know, one of, one of those two possession receivers. So I think uh, that's another thing to to look forward to if you're a Rutgers fan. Absolutely. Yeah. The guys who stay, yeah, like Motore, the guys who stay forever. It's just great. Like, I wonder if it's awkward going to college bars at a certain point. You know, I mean, I you're, know. 20, you're 25 years old. It's crazy. That's tough. Yeah. Another uh, guy that's staying, breaking news. Kyle Ooh, so is expected to return. Really? At Rutgers. Um, is that right? We're getting breaking news during the recording of the podcast. Wow. How about that? So he, Unprecedented. Unprecedented. He is a huge addition, as we have mentioned. 
before, literally on the same exact show, he was a big question mark remaining. Him coming back is huge news for an offense that needs as much help as it possibly can get. Big decision for him, too, because I think that his stock right now is about as high as maybe it'll ever be. Maybe he comes back and runs for 2,000 yards like Ray Rice did as a senior, but this is a this is a big decision for him to decide to come back. Hope, I guess hope that his stock gets even better. Of all the returns, this is probably the most important one. Uh, whole offense, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was the entire offense. Um, Aaron Lewis, the was he Bailey? I don't know. I mean, they, they, those guys are big, unre- irreplaceable. I, yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly an enormous piece of news. And also, I don't know, guys. You were there at the after the Maryland game. I got the sense he was a goner. Like when when he was talking, he just sounded like, yeah, you know what? I got to do what's right for me. Talk to my friends. I felt that way about Monterey too. Maybe I, I was just assuming that. You know, that these guys had had done what they had done to a certain point. They were going to go. This is great, by the way, Pat. This is like Brian's working the phone. This is like Adam Schefter here on his cell phone during during ESPN show. He's like, he's hunting, he's huddled over, typing into the phone, getting breaking I, I news. Love, I love it because for the first time on this podcast, his lights were on and then the breaking news came and everything went dim again. Went now dim. He's, he's a shadow in the background, just uh, is, doing his job. But yeah, Look at this, typing away. If he, if he gets up and walks out of this, walks out of the studio, studio, <clears throat> out of the his bedroom. Coming up, right? So uh, we've got some time. Right here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's incredible. I, I agree with you. I was, I was under the impression that Manungai was going to be an NFL guy because his stock was as high as as it could be, as Brian said. So I am I am pretty stunned by this news. Do you think that? So they must be paying him. They, they must. There must be some nil deal for common non guy to sure. stay. They had to make it worth his while. I think this is a guy, and we won't know the answer to this question. Um, but that had to have happened. I'm guessing. Yeah, I would. I would assume so. I would assume all the right. All these guys had some nil deal at some uh, right. Very baseline. They're getting. Every player on the football team was getting something from the Knights of the Raritan. The right. veteran, experienced guys were certainly getting more. And if you're going to come back and surpass a shot at the NFL, where you're going to be making a minimum of what three hundred thousand a year if you're a practice squad player, yeah. uh, you would have to assume that for a kid like Kyle Manungai, he would have to be getting something. So I, I totally agree. And uh, just to go back to our previous conversation about where Rutgers is versus Seton Hall. I think this is a very good example of, right? Like you can retain a very talented player um, based on what you got. And maybe we have been overreacting a little bit about uh, the situation. Fascinating. Brian, you got more information here? I don't pocket watch, but I do figure that, yes, these guys are all getting some form of NIL payments to return to Rutgers. And I think they do trust in this coaching staff to develop them for another year so that instead of going into the draft this year and hopefully becoming a last day pick, maybe becoming an undrafted guy and uh, working their way up the ladder, like their teammates, uh, you know, like Christian Izian did, or like Isaiah Pacheco did as a late round draft pick, they can bump their stock into maybe a second round, the second day guy, or, you know, like a fifth round guy. Uh, I think Max Melton was the only guy that of the whole group who was probably pretty safely going to be picked in the second day, maybe early third day. Uh, everyone else right. is kind of teetering right. on the edge there. I think if Kyle Manungai went to the draft, he'd be, you know, a seventh round guy. And that's a tough spot to be in. Maybe he comes back and bumps himself up to a fifth round guy. Um, but obviously, obviously, right. there's some NIL component to this, and that certainly helps. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Pacheco in the se- <clears throat> Pacheco in the seventh round is certainly far, far more, I would say, NFL talent than Kyle. Um, so maybe that's what he maybe he just did the the accounting and said, eh, you know what? I I, I can improve my stock. 
I can make Politi vote for, vote for him higher than third in the Heisman. But I voted for him for third in Heisman. Do you guys see that? I, I did. Got like that. And I was getting heat, getting heat from people on the old Twitter because of it. You got heat for me. Like, I'm sitting next to you. And by the way, people, I don't know if people know this. I decide who gets to vote for the Heisman in the state of New Jersey. And I'm really thinking about who's going to be on my list next year if Mr. Steve Politi, who votes for Kyle Malangai as number third in the Heisman, does not appear to take this ballot very seriously. You're going to take my Heisman vote away? Is that what you're telling me? Is that what you're telling me? I'm not saying I'm going to do saying? that. I'm, I'm alluding to the fact that I might do that if you don't right. watch yourself, buddy. Have you have, like have you actually studied the Heisman voting? It is the biggest it is the biggest pile of nonsense in the world. Why would they have nine hundred people if they all wanted us to vote for the same three guys? They should have a committee to pick them. Ask, like they ask, have like who did Brian vote for first though first overall? Who did I vote for in the Heisman? Yes, yes, because uh, I'm a, almost positive I know who it is. That's that's a very personal question if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> I voted for Jaden Daniels. Yes, of course he did. Of course he did. Because because he had the, the big stats and everyone's got to vote for him. Of all time, right? Group think we all got to vote for the guy from the LSU quarterback's got to win every year because he's got 50 touchdowns. Give me a break. Oh, my God. Why Why would anyone vote for Michigan at number one? What, they're the best team in, in college football? Why it's does a different thing, for, a different conversation. for Rutgers when they're having the best season they've it's had a different, long time? That's a different conversation. Do you think that guy is the third best player? In this life? is how I do. This is how I choose to do the Heisman vote. I vote for the player I think is the best player in college football, Michael Penix, this year. He was the best player on a team, important to his team by far. They were 13-0. They would not have been 13-0 without Michael Penix as the quarterback. He finished second, by the way. Then I picked the player I saw that was the best, like the best player I saw. Marvin Harrison Jr. was the best player I physically saw. He's the best non-quarterback in the country. Then my third vote's whoever the hell I want it to be. There you go. That's how I do it. Kyle Manunkai. Nice kid. That's great. I had to give him a vote. Who gives, who gives except, a crap? Except I swapped Manungai and Jaden Daniels because I thought I couldn't ha- I couldn't leave him off because he had such wait, a good vote. You voted for oh wait, you swapped them. I see. I had Penix one, Marvin Harrison two, and then Jaden Daniels. Jayden, yeah, that's probably that's probably what if I were actually, yeah, that's what I would have done. Totally. Jane Daniels had one of the best quarterback seasons in. Is, is it his fault? His <sighs> defense is doo doo. You talk about Washington wouldn't be thirteen and zero without Michael Penix. Jane LSU would be zero and thirteen without Jane Daniels. They anyway. would have had some other guy that threw for four thousand. That's how I look. Whereas like Michael Penix was clearly, clearly the guy on Washington, right? Like I don't know. That's how I saw it. He clutch too. Won that last game. It was. I mean. That's yeah. That's just not. It's not a numbers. It's not a, just about stats. It's more I than just. The, it's more than just. The, if it then just do the best statistical, then they, they don't need us at all. They certainly don't need nine hundred of us. <laughs> take my vote away. Go ahead. Take my vote away. I dare you to take my vote away. Dare you. I need do it. Many, I need as many voters as I possibly can. So do luckily it. for you, you will take not be away. off the ballot. But um, I I agree with you. The sample size is really really large. Uh, there are people that vote for the Heisman that I I. I shake my head at not on my list, obviously, but on some other people's lists. I just, <laughs> well, clearly, shaking your head right now at that your own list. Well, I was shaking my head when I. Who when else I, is on your list? What? How many people do you have personally on your list? I didn't realize you were like some sort of Heisman consigliere here. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> know that you had some sort of. I didn't realize. I'm the Silvio Dante of the Heisman Trophy. Right. Uh, I have Tom Rinaldi because I believe he lives in New Jersey. I have uh, you two knuckleheads, obviously myself. Um, Chris Carlin, uh, 
I believe uh, uh, Richie Schneiderite of Rivals. He is a voter. And there are other people on my list who I should not be divulging anyway. This is confidential you 10, information. It's con- you have like 10 people. So New Jersey has like 10. How many New Jersey? This is like Electro College. How many, yeah. How many Texas, New Jersey? Texas, many? Texas has... Uh, Texas has 35. Has New Jersey has eight. Yeah, it's good. Right. Okay, anyway, let's okay. move on from the Heisman talk. I'm sick of that. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. All right. Um, uh, a good corollary question from Rocco about the NIL. How far away is Rutgers in NIL to land a top transfer in the portal? Need, say, Kyle McCord. Can Rutgers afford a uh, hundred grand and it would take 300 grand to land him. Going to go higher than that, Rocco. We're playing more card sharks here. Yeah. So that's a good question. How far are they from actually going out and doing that? They've done it. They've done some portal work for guys who I think took some money, Pat, but I don't think they have, they certainly haven't gotten a guy where it took a lot of money. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's totally true. I always come back to when the only real NIL conversation that I have full certainty of is in wrestling. And I know one NCAA champion, how much he cost. And that's an Olympic sport that drives zero revenue. And that number blew my mind. So whatever Kyle McCord's number has to be probably 10 times that, which I know for a fact that Rutgers would not be able to afford that. So uh, I, I just think, Getting a getting the the biggest name in the transfer portal is probably out of the question for for Rutgers. You would think. Uh, all right, to Nebraska. Uh, he is already. He's visiting Nebraska. Him and uh, Julian Fleming, his teammate and fellow former five star. Uh, and it sounds like Nebraska is confident they'll get him. And Nebraska is a program that sells out in a hundred thousand seat stadium and could probably yeah. pass a hat around Lincoln and make you know a million and a half, two million dollars. They need to land Kyle McCord. Um, they got the money. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and how far is Rutgers from competing with that? I mean, the fact they're not even the fact we keep having this conversation about the quarterback and the conclusion is they have no shot at landing an up a, a high tier quarterback. That's the answer to your question. They just can't afford the uh, a quality player at the most important position. They're too expensive until until some sugar daddy comes along and donates millions of dollars a year. I don't think that's going to change. What what did you make of the report that Marvin Harrison Jr. could make more in NIL than he could in the NFL as a, in a first in a one year situation? I thought I like, that non, was, I felt like I nonsense. Ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not just because he's not going to play only one year. That's that's the problem. Even if he even if that's possible, you get the rookie contract. I think if he's going to be at the top of the draft, that's going to be going to make him a four million. What is? I don't even know what the tier is for a top guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. He's going to have a three year deal. And then he starts the clock to get to the next deal. Yeah. He's got, right. yeah, I mean, it's just silly. So then, and the next deal, if he's any good, will be, I mean, it's just silly money. So yeah, I, that just didn't, I didn't buy that at all. Yeah. I, same. Let's talk about the wrestling kerfuffle. And I don't even know if this is as big a deal as I made it up. But so Pat, we started the podcast. He said, Oh, guys, you should have seen it. It really got, got heated at wrestling. And I was like, Whoa, Got heated at wrestling. Tell me the story about the little WWE salacious quotes. Good stuff. It was incredible. Really? This was this was rivalry to me, like summed up perfectly. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was there was one match uh, that Princeton, right? This is Princeton. Make sure people don't follow wrestling Friday night, and and there's so much perspective. I could spend probably we could do our own podcast on this Rutgers Princeton wrestling, but to put it to put to keep it condensed, uh, Rutgers has has long dominated the series 
right? Like they completely dominated the series. Princeton's only won one time in the last 30 years, um, which made Goodell, Scott Goodell, the Rutgers coach, question whether this is a rivalry in, in that sense. And okay, you can you can make that argument, of course. But it's just such a great rivalry because of the emotions that that showed up and like the crowd was going bonkers. Um, but really what sparked it all was this match at 184 pounds between Brian Saldano and a Princeton wrestler. They got up, were yelling at each other, and it looked like the Princeton wrestler kind of grabbed his chin uh, after the whistle went off. And then they pushed each other and they're in each other's face. And it just got really heated. The crowd is going wild. It really was like a WWE scene. And then there were just some great comments afterwards from Saldano, who you know called the guy. He's he's like a twenty three year old kid who wants to start stuff on the mat. And they went back and forth. That he went at him. And then Goodale just had some really great quotes after the match too, accusing Princeton of his quote was the yapping needs to stop. And that was in reference to the pre-match uh, videos and Twitter dialogue. Apparently, they were going back really? and forth on Twitter with videos and things. And yeah, it was just just so much uh, back and forth between two teams that are good programs. And, uh, you know, they recruit against each other. I know that's a big deal. So when I think of trash talking yeah. wrestling thugs, I immediately my mind immediately goes to Princeton every time. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Right. That's hundred percent true. Yeah. They are they are just the uh the most non-elite school in the world. So yeah, That's I, great. I think there's a high standard to get into Princeton, especially in the wrestling room where if you're not talking if if you're not talking trash, you better be pushing P. I just don't so I don't understand. And this is wrestling. That's that was a good one, by the way. Uh, I, this is wrestling novice play talking here, but I don't understand how this doesn't happen all the time. I mean, you're like, you're literally tossed, you're literally tied up in a ball on a mat with nothing but mess, muscle and testosterone. How so, the heck are they not beating the crap out of each other? The, it right? does happen a lot, but I think the, the post game comments uh, put more fuel on the fire. I and see. I think uh, just the way the crowd reacted was insane. And then that, the part of that I didn't bring up was after that match, the next weight was a, uh, a match between two top 10 wrestlers in the country. The Rutgers wrestler went down. The John Puznanski was losing at first, came back and won. And then Goodell was in his corner, like pumping his fist at the Princeton coaches. Like, we got you on this one. We got you on this one. And wow. it was just, it was just wild. And uh, it was, it was, it was more heated than a traditional wrestling match, which Ultimately, like you said, there are there are heated moments, but this was this was something else. This is something are, <laughs> I haven't seen really, uh, you know. So it was it was really good. Are there actual folding chairs around the mat? Like, yeah, could, yeah, yeah, there are could, right. So it could you, someone could pick up a wrestling chair. Just, now you know, tell me that that, that yeah. wouldn't be the best thing that has ever happened for wrestling. Can you tell me that that? I mean, we'd be out. You'd be outraged. Like I would, be, I would be expected to write a column. So Goodell, but it would be the greatest, right? This, I, I cannot. I mean, Bobby Knight threw a chair. It could certainly happen, right? I, I mean, but this is one of the funniest wrestling stories that I, I keep coming back to. I was telling our photographer this story, uh, the night of the Princeton match last year. Rutgers wrestled Michigan State, and you know, in football they have the challenge flag. You throw it to the refs to challenge the play. In wrestling, they have a a brick. And it's like a foam brick. <laughs> yes, I love the brick. And a it's Michigan crazy. State coach last year threw the brick and it hit the ref in the head. 
<laughs> Michigan State got deducted a point and the team score for misconduct for hitting the referee with a brick. And seems fair. It ended, and it ended up tying the match, and then Rutgers won because of the point deduction. Like it was a just complete bonanza. Uh, so yeah, uh, I've never seen someone get hit with a chair, but I have seen a brick get thrown at somebody's head. They should totally use real bricks, by the way. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I mean, this foam. Come on, just go all in here on this. Brick. It was a brick. A little <laughs> soft from the ref. Oh, you hit in the head with a little, little foam totally. brick. You gotta, gotta, gotta cost. Let the Soft. let the kids wrestle, man. Come on, it's nerf. It's freaking nerf, crown. We're kind of yeah. The Teddy Valentine um, of the of the wrestling world. <laughs> That's awesome. So they won both. They won two match, uh, two meets. Yeah, They're looking pretty good. Uh, They're rolling. They, they rolled past Buffalo on Sunday. Uh, so yeah, this is a this is a really good Rutgers wrestling team. They're ranked number thirteen. They should be moving up in the poll. Um, they're on a little break until after the new year, but. Um, it'll be an exciting year in the Big Ten. I think there's some really winnable matches uh, against classic teams like Minnesota. Uh, so th- there's a lot to look forward to. And uh, we'll be following once this bowl game wraps up. All right. All right. Brian, before we sign off, do you have any other breaking news? Your head is down again. I'm like thinking there might be some other major de- major development. Or are you just like ordering lunch? I was figuring out what I'm going to have for lunch. Any suggestions? Yeah. I usually go no. with pizza, but I've, I've had enough. Enough pizza to it last a lifetime. Be. Gotcha. What should I? What should I have? Sandwich. That's your go-to. That's your version of pizza. You have a sandwich every time I call you around eleven o'clock. You're like, oh, I'm I'm at the deli having a sandwich. What's up with that? I'm like, I live in New Jersey, man. What are you talking about? I'm in Tommy Cutlet's area, dude. Do you have any sandwich? Good sandwiches I get around here. Come on. Good it's all good. All right. Now let's sign off. When are we gonna do this again? We gonna come back uh, before the bowl, certainly to preview Rutgers Miami over the holidays. Sometime next week, because uh, next week. Ne- the Monday before the bowl game is Christmas, and I don't want to see it, your mugs. Not, uh, no, we're not doing that, certainly. Yeah, all right. So early next week, we'll come back and preview the bowl game, talk some more basketball, whatever else is going on. Uh, until then, hey, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com insider.